Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Peter Horvath, Nika Bender and Arvid Klingstrom to discuss how we create high-performing teams within gaming. Um, so what we're going to do first, before we delve deeper into the topic, is work our way around the room with some introductions. So Arvid, do you want to kick us off with that, please? Sure. So um, <clears throat> my name is Arvid Klingstrom. Um, I work uh, as head of player services at uh, Paradox Interactive. Um, basically, spending my time focusing a lot on the juice, I would say, user journey around uh, basically everything that the user goes through uh, that is not related to the core gameplay. Um, and um, I've been about 15 years in the industry of gaming, uh, and in the last 10, mainly in product and, and, and roles and, and also uh, leading product teams. So, yeah, that's me. Perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, Peter? Yes. Hello, Jordan. Uh, I'm Peter Horvath. I work at Avalanche Studios as a senior producer with the AAA games, making sure they come out in time and on budget. I have 10 to 12 years in the industry at Starbreeze and King and a couple of other companies, and also done a couple of years of consulting as an agile coach, uh, helping bigger organizations uh, becoming more lean and delivering uh, products quicker. Perfect. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Nika. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nika. I'm the live producer uh, at DICE. Um, I joined DICE uh, just as the pandemic started, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> I worked on the BFI last update, and I'm currently working on the next uh, Battlefield title. Before that, I was uh, with Star Stable, and I'm originally from Croatia, and I think I've been now in the industry pretty much since I moved to Sweden, uh, so around nine years, more or less, with you know some breaks here or then with the uh, startups, but yeah, that's me. Perfect. Thank you, everyone, for the uh, small introductions there. Uh, so now we've got a bit of a context to everyone. Let's move on to the topic in focus. Um, you all have a question or statement on creating high-performing teams within gaming. Uh, as usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reason behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. Uh, so let's start with Nika. So can we have your question, please? Yes, of course. So um, my question was very, very short, I realized. It's how do you ensure psychological safety for your team? And the main reason why I asked that is because uh, it's a topic that I dwell really, I would say, uh, in recent times quite a lot. And uh, it's really interesting. There's more and more research and more and more findings that one, I would say, of foundations of having the high performance teams is actually ensuring the psychological safety. And I wanted to, you know, um, kind of share and discuss with this group, like, how do you ensure that? Because I've been working different themes and uh, every team comes a different challenge. Um, so I'm curious to hear what were your experience and how did you tackle these challenges? Brilliant. Thank you for your question. Um, Peter, do you want to go with that one first? 
Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so I think um, if if you give people some autonomy, you know, and uh, control over their environment. So let's say a team could say no to a product owner's request or at game designers, you know, when, when they feel that this sprint is, you know, filled, they have the ability to actually say no and kind of control the environment. That I think goes a, goes a long way. It's it's when you lose control of your environment, that's that's when things start to spiral, at least it's in my experience. Perfect, and David? Yeah, it was, uh, I, I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, I, I would like to try to answer it with maybe asking a question back. Uh, like what, what would define like psychology? I mean, that, that safety uh, experience, what, what would you say, Nikki, on, on what that is? More like uh, from, from that perspective of where the question is, is asked, could you, um, is there a way to maybe elaborate a little bit on it? So, so I understand. Of course. Of course, I don't mind. So I would say when it comes to psychological safety is, you know, allowing the thing, I think Peter really like, I think that's one of the uh, parameters of, you know, how do you like, what defines psychological safety? Um, it is, you know, for the team to be able to feel safe to, you know, give their feedback, to, you know, uh, feel safe to provide their opinions, uh, to feel autonomous, to feel in control of their own destiny, um, to, um, I would say, feel safe to fail. I think that's one of the main um, interesting, I would say, aspects of, you know, having this safety is you can fail, like you're not afraid to fail. And we all, I think we all know who work with the software development, quite often big risks are also, you know, the big payoff. So, you know, if you want to really innovate or you want to try something new, there is a high chance of you failing. And if you're not feeling safe to do so and you you're have the environment where you can do that, how can you actually create something new and amazing? Okay, great. Yeah, that's perfect. It clears um, a bit of my thoughts. So I would say like from my experience that, uh, I mean, what, of course, uh, that, that kind of uh, the, the feeling of uh, being, uh, you know, in a position to to say no, but, but also maybe um, having a culture in the team, uh, hopefully from experience where you share those learnings. So I think like sharing uh, both good, but also maybe more important that the bad uh, kind of uh, outcomes i mean it doesn't have to be bad in the sense of not worth it but rather like from an uh, you know not meeting the targets and therefore taking decisions to go uh, left right or or take a few steps back so the the whole kind of sharing uh, aspect and and adding like you say the, the fail part as something that's really important but in order to come there i think it's um, it's a lot around that uh, having that very open way of making sure that people are actually sharing not only uh, celebrating the, the 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 good parts and the wins, but also the the fails and and the learnings from there. So I would add that to 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 the um, to the aspect. Perfect, uh, Peter. Do you have anything to add there? Yeah, I, I would like to add a second thing uh, to that. As I think, as a producer, I like to monitor kind of the team and just try to learn the behaviors of, of the team members and when they start de deviating from that you kind of see the stress uh, related um, behavior kind of that's when you try to act so you as a producer I think can do a lot as well in helping people you know just talking to them in one-to-ones perhaps and just you know monitoring how is the stress I'm, I'm seeing that you're behaving a little bit differently and you know is there anything we can do to help or I can do to help. 
Perfect. Uh, Nika, you got any further thoughts after those brilliant answers there? Uh, I can just uh, actually uh, just connect a bit on what Ari uh, mentioned when it comes to celebrating failures. Uh, it was one of the things I really loved in one of the themes I had. We had something called uh, fail cake. And it was, um, and I, it seems like, again, in the hindsight, it did so much, I would say it did so much improvements on the theme, feeling the safe, because we would write down our failures. Um, it can be from all big, it can be, you know, maybe project related. It could be actually just, uh, you know, professional development related, you know, like the things, you know, I, I didn't think I performed as I should, and this is the reason like, how I should improve myself. But the thing is, we're very open, like all of us, me included, as the product owner there. And uh, we would celebrate every 10th failure would uh, get us a cake or sweets or fika. We are in Sweden, so there was a lot of fika going around. And I got feedback uh, afterwards that it's something the team really, really appreciated. Uh, and I could see the way how how the team actually functioned. It, they were really, really good. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, thank you for those answers. That, that was absolutely brilliant. So, um, Avid, um, can we have your question next? Yes. <clears throat> so my question uh, uh, to the topic was uh, basically what, what uh, based on your experience, would you say um, uh, is the single most important piece when, when building high performing teams? Um, and I think this question kind of, I mean, came to me, it's pretty big and wide in, in, in the aspect of, of um, you know, what, what you could, how you could, you know, take an angle on it. But I think it's um, interesting from my experience also thinking like what, where the teams have felt really strong and in my uh, kind of uh, uh, fr from my perspective have been very high performing it's also interesting to think about what 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 was the most single important part of that when when feeling like this team really performs very well and and um, i also thought about it from the aspect of when you build teams i mean they 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 vary in size depending on where in the project you are and of course i'm talking mainly about gaming uh and the industry and my background there but but that's also like what is there any kind of common nominator that i could feel is equally important throughout the whole kind of journey for the team to be high performing so that's kind of how i came up with that question and it, it 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 really you know it comes back to me i think from it uh, on a daily basis also like what is it that we need and, and what's the most important part and i think i of course think i found something that i think is of course very important otherwise i wouldn't uh, really ask the question but uh, yeah that that's kind of the background of uh, how, how that question came came to uh, to mind and and, uh, and uh, put on on to this um, podcast Perfect. Thank you for that. Uh, Peter, what are your initial thoughts on that? Well, my I pretty early in my career managed to work with a high performing team at, at, at Starbreeze. And for a long time, I, I you know thought about what happened, what was the environment, what should I replicate in my future endeavors to kind of get that again, because it's a really great uh, feeling, you know. And one thing uh, I felt that was we managed to do very well was get everyone involved so everyone could influence the design of the game they, they might not have the final say on things but they got to like uh, be a part of it and the designer in that team listened 
to all the all the people, you know, so we have this really high energy going where people would come in in the morning and, and they had thought about our product, you know, in during the evening and they had all these like ideas. We should maybe do like this. And there was a lot of energy in the meetings in the morning. And and I think that came from just making sure everyone is involved. They have a say say about the game. Everyone is thinking and, and, and we have less of treating people like robots instead. Like, hey, what do you think? And, just actually listening to people that went a long way. And I've tried to replicate that at a couple of places. And, and I think I think that's that that works, at least for me. It's been working pretty well. Perfect. Nika? I can only uh, agree with Peter said. I noticed the same thing. It is when you involve people, when you when they start caring about the, the products, the game, the work, when they feel listened to uh, when it's not just you know one or two people making all the decisions and they you know quite often like designers make all the decisions and then the artists and everything, they just need to execute on whatever decisions have been made however i did um i would just like to add something else which is a quite i would say it's not really easy to um quantify uh, my learnings what i realized it's also it, of course, you need a certain specific roles, you know, to build a certain team, depending depending on the needs. Uh, however, finding the right people to match the people within that team, I think that's where the magic happens. And it just, but it requires, I would say, an experience, and it requires, a, again, it's a bit of a very soft skill. How can you know figure out that you know you have the right personalities that just match each other, and not just that. It's like you know, you you I think my experience have been that you know you can have this one superstar but it doesn't mean that the team that superstar is with will be a high performing team often it's quite the opposite so usually is as i said um, sorry <laughs> that's what i mean why when you need to like you need to try and find a matching uh puzzle pieces in a way it's like you you want to you know you want to each of the people's weaknesses match with some other strengths and i think that's the trick in how you create i would say very tight really good and uh high, very successful team together with what Peter said as well. Brilliant. Arvid, do you have any uh, further thoughts on those uh, answers that we had there? Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, those are great. And I, I, I can I can only, you know, agree to the the feeling over the years of trying to understand, like, where is the where is the actual, you know, magic? Uh, is there a silver bullet? What's what's the secret ingredient? But I think I think it boils down to, of course, like uh, Nick is saying also, like, uh, I mean, you're, you're laying a puzzle and all the pieces need to fit uh, in order to really, you know, be the best. But I, I found this like um, common thing that, that returns to me a lot where I think that the teams have been really high performing is that when you have, uh, uh, when you have uh, uh, someone owning, and it can be co-owned if in, in the best of worlds, but someone owns the vision and the direction of where you're heading, because that kind of um, uh, solves a lot of the other potential risks. So from my perspective, I've just come to that, like before you start like putting the pieces together in the puzzle, make sure that everyone, you know, is is aligned on the direction and that someone or preferably everyone uh, has the same kind of vision of the, of where you're going and the direction of it and and i think sometimes i've i've had experience of building teams where that piece was not there uh, and thinking but but the individuals are super strong in their craft right but that does not really add up to any 
any uh, like high performance because no one really knows the direction. So, but I and I've seen the opposite where teams have maybe not the uh, the the highest performing on paper, so to speak, individuals, but finding that direction just uh, kind of fuels the team uh, in a way that I have never seen before. So that's kind of my my angle to it. But I think it it relates a lot to what Peter said, like uh, 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 and the. Uh, uh, you know, coming into work and everyone's kind of having the vision jointly and just with ideas and no one is, you know, taking a specific role, but everyone's just making sure that things are moving towards that, uh, uh, that um, the vision and the direction they've set up. So, yeah, I think it's um, so interesting uh, to hear and, and also think about those things. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of my add to it, but, but I totally agree to the, to the uh, input on, on the question. Perfect. Uh, Peter, have you got a bit more to add on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with Arvid. You know, the, having direction is, is critical. Otherwise, you're going to fumble in the dark. Uh, I did work with a team where the product or the designer was absent a lot because they were out on business trips and stuff. And, and this team had this interesting approach and they just came to me and said, hey, our designer is gone. We think we should go in this direction, you know? So they were actually thinking for the designer because the person wasn't there. So I really like that. So uh, there, just some basic direction. And then I uh, think oftentimes the team can fill, fill out the gaps if needed as well. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, right. Okay. So we'll, we'll move on to the next question then. So I'm actually going to pose a question here. Um, so I'm not just a podcast host, I'm the star of a podcast this week, apparently. Um, so the, the question that we've got here is, uh, what is the best way to balance high performance and well-being? Uh, how would you achieve long-term optimal productivity while maintaining lower stress levels? Uh, Nika, do you want to jump forward on that one? Well, again, that's a very interesting question, uh, working in the game development um, I would say one of the perks of game development is there's always going to be some stress, uh, but it also comes down to, you know, that there's a healthier level, healthy levels of stress, which is just more motivating. I know I'm a person who is really dry, like I'm very driven, you know, when there's a bit of a chaos happening and, you know, there's some deadlines, but then there's this unhealthy level of stress where, you know, you, you tip, there's a tipping point where it becomes, it's not motivating anymore, but it's crushing. <laughs> Usually... Uh, in my experience, the the way how to balance the high performance well-being, it's actually planning. Um, it is, of course, first you need to know what are you, you know, what are you going to is the direction. Okay, we know the direction. Um, then it's actually to spending quite a bit of an extra time into first mapping it out and planning and understanding actually how long it will take us there. Really like delve into deeper, like, because I also seen that's, because there, you know, there's always deadlines. There's um, uh, we need to jump onto next thing. We the team does not take enough time to really sit down together and plan and do the proper planning, like into details and try to understand breaking down the work and really mapping it out and all the dependencies and everything. Uh, with the good planning, what happens is that you know how, how much time you need to you need how much time you need to actually build uh, what you need to build, which then translates to not really 
needing to crunch. If of course things happen, of course, while doing the planning, you have to account that, you know, there will be, you know, unknown circumstances because that always happens. You know, people get sick, you know, you might discover, you know, there's something that doesn't really work as we thought. If, especially if you have something that you need to explore or, or in, again, innovate or it's something or something is unknown. So like, we want to do it, but we are like, we don't know what are the technical feasibility or something. You take that extra time. And in my experience, that usually helped together with actually having a, a team in a very, I would say, not having a lot of changes within the team where they have, I would say, a really good um, a working, I would say it's kind of a schedule. Like they know each other, they know work really well. So there's not a lot of, of these disturbances where things are changing too much because you have too many things changing, even though you did the planning quite well, um, pretty much things will just, um, again, change quite a lot. So that planning will not really be valid, which will then lead to, of course, overwork and being stressed because that usually comes down that there's a deadline and we just don't have enough time to do what we want to by the, you know, uh, yeah, until the deadline. Brilliant. Um, Peter? Yeah, so I, I agree. Getting control and building a solid plan together with uh, the self-organizing aspects of the team so the team can say no, just like we, when we answered Nika's question uh, previously. But I think there's one aspect as well, in, especially in bigger teams that could be can be very stressful, and that's all the dependencies we have. Let's say we don't have all the talent we need to perform a user story in a sprint that can cause extreme delays. And I've been in, in, in teams where you might wait three weeks for the most basic thing because all the teams are, are fully uh, allocated. So maybe looking into, you know, removing dependencies could relieve a lot of stress and make the, make the environment sustainable because then we have even more control within our team. Brilliant. And uh, what are your thoughts, Arvid? I agree. I think a lot of uh, things that's been said are, are, are very true when it comes to, you know, owning the uh, the plan and the planning and, and make sure that you can, you know, say no. But also, I think like, uh, at least from my experience, I, I, I have a, I never ran into like a high performing team that doesn't balance you know well-being in a good way like it's more like a mature uh, state for a team and i think that's when things happen in a very you know secure way i i personally haven't seen that there there's a need to balance high performance uh, towards well-being or kind of a crum, uh, I don't know, overworked uh, uh, kind of uh, team uh, members but I would say that in in the end, uh, uh, if if that would happen, I, I still believe like that the core uh, for for the team to to feel you know uh, you know sane and perform is to have an idea of what what they're doing and and being able to say to decide on their own kind of this is what we're doing and what we're committing to, uh, and and not having uh, other people kind of telling them what uh, they need to deliver and expect. And then of course, that's always a, that will always be a balance between business and, and development and, and all that. But um, I think, uh, I think the, the whole planning part is, is such a, it's such an amazing way of working, right? With the, the agile approach, because you're basically saying like, this is what I'm capable of doing uh, within this amount of time. And, and then you kind of together commit to that, which is a very nice way of not getting too stressed or getting uh, work added to you. But then like we already said here, 
things happen all the time and that's that's the that's the beautiful maybe theory but in practical terms uh, things can be of course very different but i think um, having a team usually has uh, from my experience a high well-being i would say perfect perfect um nika do you have anything to add to that yes uh, i would actually just like to again nod to what Peter and Arvid mentioned, and also specifically what Peter mentioned when it comes to removing dependencies, that has been uh, the observation I had as well um, during um, during the past few years, is that when you have what we like to call cross-functional teams, where you do remove as much as dependencies as you can, that the team actually can deliver what they need to within themselves. I can see, I could see that that's what made a difference, uh, especially when it comes to the planning and securing that, you know, they can, again, have, again, we're going back to what we mentioned, having the authority, having the control, and can actually, with some help, doing the proper planning and actually then balance their work um, in the reasonable, um, in the reasonable about, amounts because they know the time they have. Perfect, perfect. Peter, do you have any extra thoughts on that one? Yeah, Arvid mentioned Agile and, you know, if you're working with Scrum teams, those usually have a Scrum master. And uh, one of the roles of the Scrum Master is to protect the team from, from you know, these kind of things and, and ensuring high efficiency is, is uh, doable over a long period of time. So maybe if the team doesn't have a Scrum Master, you could find one experience that that, that person could do wonders in, in maintaining uh, a sustainable environment. Brilliant. Thank you all for that. Um, so I've just got a kind of uh, a second question uh, on the back of that question, if you guys don't mind. So obviously working from home has been a major part of everyone's life now for uh, the past nearly two years, isn't it? So um, on, on the back of the last question that I asked, um, is there any kind of, it does working at home kind of prevent you guys from creating that high performing team with that productivity um do you find or has it been just as easy to to keep up these methods with your with your teams despite the separation peter do you want to jump in first on that yeah i can of course uh the, the current team I'm working with is is really really good and, and high performing uh, we managed to do that but i think that comes from the learnings, maybe from the first year of how we how we did that. The first year was a little bit difficult understanding how to work in, in this environment, but I think we, we kind of understood a lot. Uh, what I have noticed is the communication, you know, because it's not just verbal, it's like expressions and, and tone and all these things as well. You kind of miss a lot of that, especially if people have cameras turned off. So I would prefer, you know, to get back to the office soon and get the team together and, and have more interaction. The communication flows a lot better. And another aspect that is missing is, uh, is you know, the, the, just the coffee machine talks, which happen spontaneously, that, that yeah, everything has to be a meeting now, and that's time consuming uh, and, and, you know, can fill up people's schedules really quickly. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Nika? Yeah, I again, it's the same. I really do miss this human interactions. Uh, I can see everyone is missing, you know, just the coffee machine talk, especially when you have new people in the team. I was the new in the team, you know, just to get to know people. And it's a, I had a similar experience. Uh, it was definitely challenging. It was challenging to continue, you know, especially like, for instance, rituals like um, 
you know, fail fika, fail cake. It's not, I mean, there's requires a lot of more organization. How can you deliver cakes, you know, probably around the world? <laughs> well, you know, when we were in the office, it was quite simple. You know, I would just jump in, you know, get some fika and uh, we would sit down together and, you know, have a chat and, you know, celebrate our failures. So it's, it's, it's not, not, I mean, it's not doable. It's not like it's not doable. It's just that it's it was a, a quite more challenging during the uh, the COVID times while we were all working from home. And I think also not seeing like you know in the situations when you can't see everyone's faces, it is very difficult you know to again read those facial ex facial expressions and just to again connect to people, uh, which is quite important uh, I would say when you're working in a team. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for that, um, Avid. Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, communication has been definitely uh, a challenge. I'm, I'm, I'm more of a person that enjoys uh, a, a meeting uh, in the in the office, uh, especially when you get uh, a little bit more people in the room. Uh, the whole kind of screen uh, existence feels a bit uh, uh, kind of less interactive. So I, I, I agree to that. And then I also felt like I've seen, I mean, I've actually seen some areas where I feel like this work from home environment has been very productive in some in some various kind of uh, situations and maybe phases, depending on what kind of um, where your specific project is and in what state. But I think from uh, I think the challenge becomes really, really big when it when it comes to the kind of let's say we need to restart, uh, we need to pivot something, we need to uh, kind of get more into an innovative, creative mode. Uh, I think that's a really, really hard place to be uh, while working from home, because that's when you have those high performing teams, like mentioned earlier, potentially with all these people having ideas that they want to chip in, right, to what should do we do next. And then you have eight people in a digital kind of meeting format and you don't really get those people to you know speak their mind in the same way at least i felt that that's a really big challenge i know there are tools and ways and i think we've become better in general uh, as it's almost moving into two years but i still think that's a challenge and that's what i'm hoping to see more and get that you know the feeling of uh, yeah like nika said like celebrate things uh, good and bad but just you know get into a room and feel like people have energy and and kind of uh, you know also ideas and um so i i think we personally i felt like lost some some momentum in in, in that more kind of creative innovative uh, kind of uh, phase but uh, maybe increased momentum in some production phases where things just needs to get done and people can zoom out and be you know very comfortable in their home office environment so the pros and cons i would i would say perfect thank you for that uh so last but not least uh peter can we have your question please oh uh, yes of course so uh, when studying self-organizing teams a little bit, I realized that uh, keeping the team stable or together for over a period of time is very important. And, and if you break that up, adding or removing team members, you can uh, pull the team backwards kind of in their development, making them not so high performing anymore. And, and then I realized that many workplaces I've been to, there's this managers have a need to shuffle around in the teams. They feel that that's very good because then they'll meet new people, you know, and that is very counterproductive to building a high performing team. So my question is how 
do you guys tackle that challenge at, at your workplace? Avid, do you want to jump in first with that one? Uh, yes, um, I guess um, um, it's always like a, a balance, but I, I would say a lot of the discussions is usually trying, I mean, it becomes like an exercise trying to really uh, show, you know, the, the cost of, 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 of creating change, right? So because usually when you, at least when in this context, if you speak about managers, I guess we're moving more towards the business and the money and you, so quantifying some, some changes uh, around like, uh, you know, slower uh, delivery and impact on businesses is, a, is one way of doing it. And then I, I guess also uh, um, I try to also have a, a mindset of trying to understand like why, you know, what, what, what are we actually, you know, trying to achieve? Because sometimes it, it's easy to have people from the outside coming with a solution, but maybe uh, the real uh, approach would be to come with a, a challenge or a problem, right? So, so I think that's kind of a, um, an, an approach um, that I've, I've, I've tried to take. Uh, now, recently, it hasn't been that much uh, shuffling, but I, but I also see that there's, um, as, and there, there can be situations where you have like, uh, you know, you have a very high performing team, uh, you have a great team and you feel like there's a couple of people that are more of a cornerstone of that team or foundation. And of course, uh, those are usually maybe the right kind of people to start building a new team up on and therefore they want to move that person. So I can see that being a reasonable approach, but I would try to visualize the, the risks and the costs of doing that to understand and balance, you know, the upside of it. So more, more from, from my, my experience and perspective in my role, I usually try to lean it more towards, you know, the business. And then, of course, trying to understand, like, why, you know, what is it that we're trying to achieve? And then, of course, there will be people involved. So that's important. Also, let's not reduce the risk of demotivation of that individual leaving a team they worked with and so on. But I, I think that that would be my core perspective. Like, why are we doing it? What we believe it will get out of it? And then trying to quantify it more of towards the uh, the stakeholder, which usually comes from business. I would say that, that, that would be my approach. Brilliant, thank you for that. Uh, Nika, what are your thoughts? Actually, very similar to what Arvid said. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of experience with the people would get moved, at least the teams that I've been working with. But when that happened, it was usually, again, I would uh, have a chat with a manager to understand the why. So we would actually first discuss the why and understand, okay, what's like, you know, is it the, the wish from the team member, like they want to move or is it, you know, uh, part of their professional development? Like, you know, and then to understand again what are the risks and what are the what effect that will have on the team and the team's performance and also to understand is that the best approach for whatever reasoning uh, the manager has so i think it goes down like it, actually the bottom line was like discussing it with a manager of the person in question but also if um if it has to be escalated, I think what Arvid mentioned, when you quantify things, it's a really good way to, you know, I would say have people outside of, you know, very small our team, or I would say have the outside people understand more easily what are the effects of actually such change. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Peter, do you have anything to add on the back of those answers? 
Oh, I, I really like these these answers. I think they're really good. I personally try to, you know, show the research to managers and make them understand. And of course, if we are trying to remove a dependency, going back to our previous questions, maybe the change is good and, and we'll just have to start over with the high performing and start creating it again, you know, and uh, but if it's not, I, I would like to have the discussions that the other people in this podcast uh, suggested. Brilliant, brilliant. Does anyone have anything like they'd like to add on the back of that last question for us? No, perfect, perfect. Okay, so uh, we'll leave it there then. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Nika, Arvid and Peter for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you all for listening. Uh, if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com and I will see you next time.